4: The 75th
5: Cannes Film Festival began this week and included a live video message from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. But this is weird. It was just please don't text during the movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: We're going to talk to Lon Hee Chen, bottom of the hour, about something political, probably, as he's an uh, expert on policy in America. And uh, if you've never heard him, he's a pretty smart dude. Always good to talk to. Very reasonable. What do you think is the best topic to talk to him about?
4: I don't know. I've been thinking about that. Uh, still stewing. Still stewing. Uh, something inflation-related. Yeah, we were
0: just talking about inflation, and that—that that is... Uh, it's on my mind every day. Every day. Just getting some food yesterday. What? It costs what? <laughs>
4: just... Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mulling this over too. I've come across a number of stories lately, including the uh, much discussed baby formula shortage that have to do with the enormous power of the regulatory state, but how poorly they wield it, and what enormous damage they do when they wield it poorly. Um, but, you know, that's kind of dry. That's probably a 400 level poly sci class, not a p- wildly popular talk radio show. But he's always interesting, so stay tuned. Lon He Chen coming up.
0: Before I get to something important, let me mention this. It's kind of funny. The Yankees have cut one of their draft picks, third round picks, so fairly down, uh, far down the road. But they
1: cut their. Mm, thir- I don't
4: know. Do you see his signing bonus? No. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, third round is... Uh, really? If I was in the third round, there would be giant parties. Like how much money? Of course, I'm a man in my 50s, so that would be very surprising. I mean, back in the day. I think his signing bonus was 595 grand or something like oh, that. Oh, okay.
0: Anyway, they cut this guy because he stole bats and gloves from teammates when they weren't looking and tried to sell them online. What, you don't want somebody around that?
4: Wow. Wow. Good idea, son. Wow.
0: God dang it, you've got the opportunity of your flipping lifetime. I'm guessing that if you're capable of being drafted by the freaking New York Yankees, you've put a lot of time and effort into being a baseball player. Oh, heck
4: yeah. Yeah, and what's really funny, the, the real punchline is this guy, uh, he would, like, sell the bat a couple, two, three times online, and so he's being charged with fraud because he doesn't actually send you the bat
0: you got the opportunity of a damn lifetime for your dream since you were a little kid. And you're going to blow it up by making how much money off of selling bats and gloves?
4: Ah, yes. But they think you had heavy gambling debts. Ah, there you go. Driven by desperation. Kids, don't get into the gambling. Yeah, there
0: you go. That explains it. Okay. So I mentioned the other day the NBC poll had Joe Biden at their lowest number yet. I think it was 38 or 39%. It was in the 30s, actually lower than Donald Trump's number at the same time. I said, you're kidding me. Was anybody who voted for Joe Biden thinking that Joe Biden would actually have lower approval ratings than Donald Trump did? Well, it has happened again in another poll, as the AP Nork poll is out in the last couple of hours, and his number... Biden's number also to their lowest point in his presidency at 39%. God dang it. You know, it's within the margin of error. I'd be saying, can you make it 40? 40 sounds so much better than 39. I mean, it's amazing (laughs) what one percentage point can do, because it does. 40 sounds way better than being in the 30s.
4: It does, yeah. And, you know, in his defense, and this is a rarity, Even if he was managing all of these enormous challenges brilliantly, it'd be tough sledding. Presidents get blamed for the state of the country. On the other hand, to be up against all these headwinds and be doing a crappy job, yeah, you're going to see your numbers drop. And and I think there's still a vestige of, I hate Trump so much, I can't be negative about the guy who beat him. Yet. But if things keep going in the same direction, you're going to see a number. Here you go. You heard it here first. In the 20s.
0: Well, and other presidents that are good at it—Reagan, FDR—you know when they spoke, you felt like, okay, here's a guy who's got a handle on it; they got a good idea. Things are going to get things are going to pick up here. Nobody feels that way when they hear Joe Biden speak. Here's a guy who's really past his prime. He's just barely walked up to the podium. Oh my God!
4: I still remember vividly Reagan's "Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this care <laughs> speech. <laughs>
0: But in addition to Joe Biden being at 39 percent, two in 10 adults say the U.S. is heading in the right direction
4: or the economy is good. They got to be guys who are like selling stocks short or hoping the real estate market collapses, right? The two in 10 is rubbing rubbing their rubbing their hands saying, oh, yes, things are going in exactly the right direction. (laughs) The
0: two in 10 who say the economy is good. Yeah. Who are you? Did you not have to go to the grocery store or the gas station this week? How you know, many or...
4: ch- Chinese grad students who are actually espionage agents?
0: Look, do you check your 401k or buy gas? Then no, you
4: don't feel like the economy is good. What? Yeah, it's got to be like Russian and, and Chinese intelligence agents in the <laughs> U.S. Oh, yeah, I think it's going great. Thanks for
0: asking. <laughs> I haven't even done that, actually. I'm, I'm depressed enough by just getting gas and buying some food every single day. I haven't looked at what my 401k is worth oh, no. today versus what it was worth in November, for instance.
4: Oh, no, no, no. I am completely la-la-la-la-lying it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no point in doing that. I mean, there really isn't unless you're, uh, you know, you're going to take money out next week like you're retired or whatever. No, there's there's no point unless you just like pain.
4: <laughs> if you like emotional pain. I'd like Elon Musk to spank me, but he's got to give me a horse first. <laughs> Harkening back to a really <laughs> irresponsible story last hour. You know, the only conceivable reason I could think to look at your 401k is if you're on the younger side, look at it and then, you know, make a mental note of how much it's down or what it's worth or whatever. And then when everything bounces back, because everything will bounce back to a large extent, um, just remember it goes up and down. The reason I'm merely queasy and not sickened by this latest uh, roller coaster ride is I've ridden on the roller coaster for quite a while. Moving so I think- up. I, I'm not there. That's right. I'm not glad about it, but I think, oh, another one of these. So, real clear, politics broke
0: down the whole right direction, wrong direction even more, and the numbers are kind of interesting. They break it into four categories. Uh, feelings about how things are going in the United States 65% are concerned. So, two out of three are concerned. 21% are scared.
4: I could picture that, of course.
0: I are might. And I'm, I wouldn't normally be in this category. I might, depending on the day, pick the scared of the four choices. The, the four choices are excited, optimistic, concerned, or scared. I might actually pick scared about how things are going in the United States. In fact, the more I think about it, because I listen to this radio show, I think I'd go with scared. <laughs> uh, I'm concerned. I think I'm full bore scared. Wow. Wow. I think we' I think we're heading into a period of severe awfulness. You combine the racial animosity and the division and the stoking division and the uh, it would seem both parties are, are willing to burn the whole thing down to try to you know win the next election and there's always another election coming. Uh, say any absolutely freaking anything or or pass any ridiculous it's not constitutional law to try to own the other side you combine that with the economics we got going on right now no i'm definitely in the scared category
4: well and i i hate to pile on uh number one we make a living at this and if we terrify you into turning off the radio and or podcast it's counterproductive jack but i'm really scared but uh, speaking of previous conversations, I was trying to get the world uh, once again to take seriously the fact that we are within a stumble and uh, an unfortunate turn of health away from Kamala Harris leading the free world. <laughs> now, if you if you look at some of the trends Jack was just talking about and the possibilities for continued unrest, upheaval, you know, the, the Russian-Ukraine war causing widespread starvation, skyrocketing food prices, etc., and a, a widespread and severe recession, whatever. What, you probably heard enough. Get to your point. You're killing me. <laughs> anyway, um, and then you picture Kamala Harris being the president. How excited will our adversaries be to make their big move at that moment when that dope is president? We have an enormous vulnerability. Um, and I don't know what to do with I'll offer her a billion dollars. I, I personally will play give her a half, horse.
0: We'll give you a horse if you step down.
4: Half a billion dollars and a horse. I, I will give up half of this year's income. To fund, uh, to, to begin, uh, it'll be the seed money for a fund to give Kamala Harris a billion dollars to resign the vice presidency. <laughs> Who is with me? Go fund me. I'm going to start it this afternoon.
0: Go fund me to get the vice president to resign,
4: to get somebody uh, more competent in there. <laughs> yes. I mean, how how much better would you feel about this country if when the inevitable moment comes and, and President uh, Badajada Kefker says I can no longer execute the, the duties of the office or his cabinet says that, that you have some respected, smart, moderate-ish Democrat governor in there, I would feel so much better.
0: Mm. Um, by the way, if you didn't do the math on that, you combine the concerned with the scared and you are at 86%. 86% of Americans are either concerned or scared about the direction the United States is going. That's extraordinary. Wow. Damn near 9 out of 10. Wow. Now, just to fill out the rest of the numbers, you got 4% that are excited. What are you, like, actual uh, <laughs> Marxists that, like, you have to burn everything down? I'm excited because I think it's all about to fall apart. I think that's
4: what's Well, going on yeah, there. a lot of the far left, like in academia and such, that's their thing. You've got to cause the system to break down before we can build it into our Marxist utopia. So they may be excited, yeah.
0: Anyway, that's something. Uh, maybe we'll ask Lon He Chen about that coming up a little bit later. Johnny Depp did not I think did not have a good day in the trial yesterday, but as uh, opposed to
4: all the previous good days he's had in this cluster F.
0: What a miscalculation. Oi, him and Putin need to get together and discuss their plans that they'd they'd hatched like 3 months ago.
4: Invading Ukraine. It was so bizarre and so grotesque. <laughs> More on all that all the way Productive segment, wasn't it?
2: Armstrong and Getty The
4: Armstrong and Getty Show Uh, Did you become aware that he uh, um, drank to excess?
5: I was always aware
4: Okay, and, and can you explain how you were aware of that? He was
5: drunk all the time most a lot of the time.
4: And that would apply both to when you were initially friends and then later when it became sexual. Yeah. And what was he drunk what what would you understanding, what had he drunk to become drunk? He was
5: a red wine drinker.
0: Jeez, I wouldn't. Uh, have, I wouldn't. A had. red wine drinker. I apologize if I'd have known what that clip was. I wouldn't ask for it. That was a whole bunch of nothing. But anyway, that's actress Ellen Barkin, who was a big deal back in the day. And you either remember or you don't. But she testified. She went on to testify that he one time got out of control and threw a wine bottle at her. And it's just it's what's interesting about this is Johnny Depp's entire point of this trial was. You've sullied my reputation. You're not going to get away with that, so I'm going to sue you. And now people who'd never even heard his name before know he's the ki- know he's the kind of guy that's always drunk or high and throws bottles at women. <laughs> so nice right. job
4: with whatever you were trying to accomplish. You don't know him as an actor. You know him as the degenerate wasted wife beater. What Good you, idea. Whether Johnny. he
0: beat her or not, I don't know. But he is clearly an out of control <laughs> alcoholic drug addict. I mean, uh, that is without a doubt. Nobody's even questioning that. And just weird. You know, your goal was so strange. But had an interesting conversation with the rock guys down the hall. So we got a number of radio stations here. The rock station down the hall, they were, they were making this point, and they're absolutely right. Did you ask them,
4: are you ready to rock before they got started this morning? I forgot to. Mm, yeah. Um,. They made the point that, well, I,
0: I've been wondering for a while. It's weird how everybody seems to be on Johnny Depp's side. Just practically everybody. It it's almost seems to be near unanimous. People like they want their movie stars and their rock stars to be out of control. That's what we kind of expect for them. We we don't live vicariously through them, like I guess. But it just kind of your dream of being an, a star. Tell me, true or not? Keith Richards is more famous and more liked because he's a drug addict, out of control rock star when he was younger, isn't he? Yep. If he yeah. if he had been a a, a teetotaling. Respectable little league coach, he wouldn't be the icon that he is. No, yeah, it's, it's because, part of the myth. Yeah, yeah part absolutely. of the myth is living on the edge of of, of barely keeping it together. We, we are on some level kind of like the idea of you know, I'd kind of like to be able to pull that off. I'm not going to because I like you know, being married and having kids and being respectable, but it'd be kind of cool to just let it freaking go. And, and Johnny Depp is one of those people, yeah. I think that yeah, might be it. Just you, know, you want your rock stars. And
4: your and some of your movie stars to be that person. Yeah, he's a little far down that road for my taste. But yeah, I see your point. Sure. I don't know. The whole <laughs> thing is just a poop show. I mean, it, not not a reference to the uh, you know the actual bed pooping, etc. But it's just uh,
0: they don't make don't those biopics about rock bands and those behind the scenes. MTV shows and everything like that to show you how, and uh, and he attended every PTA meeting and got his kid to Little League on time. That's not what people watch it for. It's the debauchery. Yeah, I guess. I I would like to stand up in favor of dignity. Hmm. For me. I I want dignity for me and my friends. But for some reason, and I'm not even exactly sure why, we seem to admire authors. Hemingway is more appealing because he was an out-of-control drunk. He just is, whether you like it or not. Hmm. That helps his
4: rep, not hurts it. So Johnny Depp might come out of this even a bigger deal for all I know. I think it's gone too far, though. Surely there's a line that can be crossed. I mean, if Keith Richards was jabbing heroin into school children, you wouldn't still make that same argument, would you? No, of course not. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, if he just constantly vomited on people. Because he was so drunk. I mean, that it goes beyond cute. It's, uh, that's terrible. Well, if he was beaten on her, that's a different story.
0: But if it's <laughs> just throwing wine bottles and screaming and yelling and passing out, yeah, well, don't date a guy like that would be my answer.
4: So we're going to talk to Lanhee Chen. He is a terrific expert on public policy. He's running for office in Cal Unicornia. He teaches at Stanford University. He's part of the Hoover Institution. Uh, also, later in the show, the Woke University's newest social justice crusade is fighting fat phobia. I came across that piece side by side with one that explained how bizarre it was that 80% of people who were hospitalized with COVID were obese. But nobody breathed a word about it because they didn't want to make anybody feel bad. 80%. Stay with us, friends. Wow,
0: that's extraordinary. If you miss an hour of the show, you can get the podcast of any hour. It's Armstrong and Getty on demand.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
3: You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: So what's up? Friday. Excited about the weekend next weekend's Memorial Day, right? Yes. Next weekend's Memorial Day weekend. That is correct, sir. I gotta pretend I need to I mean I gotta prepare I need to buy hot dogs and buns. Mustard and relish. Various things. Wow, you have no condiments?
4: Sad. Lanhee Chen is a candidate for California State Controller, and David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University, which is certainly plenty to keep him busy. Lanhee, how are you? Great to be with you. Good morning.
0: Joe's, good morning. Joe's, indeed. Joe has got a thought-provoking uh, good question for a policy guy like you. I'm going to uh, start with this very simple question. So I'm looking at the AP poll, NBC poll, a couple different polls. Right direction, wrong direction. Somewhere between eight or nine out of ten Americans think we're headed in the wrong direction. You, Lonnie Chen, you're walking down the street. Guy with the clipboard stops you and says, Is America headed in the right direction or the wrong direction? Which box do you choose?
5: Oh, I, I mean, I think it's certainly in the wrong direction. And I think the primary reason for that is because of the state of, of the economy. Okay, so and, that's you a, know, you're it, you're it, a wrong
0: direction guy. I just wanted to add that. Oh, yeah. You're right or wrong? We're wrong direction. You're a wrong direction guy. That That's perfect.
4: Okay, well, let's get into the economy. It's uh, It struck me as Jack was talking about getting ready for Memorial Day. The hot dogs, burgers, and a couple oh, of condiments right. will probably cost you about $75. No kidding. Uh, so, uh, Lon, he, uh, we are obviously facing rampant inflation. Uh, stock market that's down more, well, eight weeks in a row, which is the most since 1932, folks. Um, yeah. we're, we're looking at a number of financial headwinds. Public policy-wise, because that is your field of study, what are the probable policy prescriptions going to be, and, and what will they look like as they play out, trying to control an overheated economy?
5: Yeah, I mean, the the problem is this is one of those things that, once it gets going, it is a lot harder to reverse it than it would have been to try and slow it down, if that makes any sense. So the the primary way that we would deal with this would be the Federal Reserve Bank can calibrate the Fed funds rate, essentially the the primary rate uh, at which money is lent, uh, and, and and that can affect – essentially how hot the economy is going. And so the the Fed has two missions, right? One is to ensure full employment in the economy, and the other is to watch out for, for inflation. And so how do you draw the balance between the two? Unfortunately, for the last couple of years, we've had what people call easy money. Essentially, you were able to borrow money for very cheaply, and you had a massive expansion in the money supply because policymakers in Washington, in Congress, and also both President Trump and President Biden put a lot of stimulus into the economy. So when you combine all those factors together, you end up with a very, very hot economy. You also have a tight labor market, right? There's pretty much people, everybody who wants to work is working now. And so the combination of that with historically low rates has brought us to where we are now. Now, why is the stock market doing what it's doing? Why are we feeling all this pressure now? Because they're having to raise interest rates very quickly and quite dramatically in order to combat the inflationary pressure we're seeing in the economy. So it, it, the the short answer to your question is there aren't a ton of things that the policymakers in Washington, I mean the President and Congress, can do. There are things they can do to make it worse, don't get me wrong. But in terms of making it better, there aren't a ton of things and, and tools available to them to address the challenge. It really is a question of what the Fed can do and what the Fed is doing now to try and deal with inflation.
0: You know, I'm tempted to live in the past. I like the idea of living in the now. And the future is as Joe's asking the question, "What can we do?" But the living in the past part is, why did we have to spend another however many trillion dollars to make it this much worse? Why, oh God, I wish we hadn't done that. And you know, and, and Joe Biden taking credit for the uh, how good the economy is in recent weeks. You tried as hard as you could to spend another five trillion dollars. You only got stopped by one senator for spending five more trillion dollars. God, what would inflation be today? if they had, if Joe Manchin wasn't alive, oh my god
5: well that that's exactly the right question I mean it's amazing if you think about how much worse even this problem would have been if they'd gotten their way and they passed that massive you know I forgot whether they called it the green new deal they they kept changing the name of it right and and at the end of the day, whatever it was that they wanted to do and and here's the problem guys. There are policymakers in Washington and in state capitals across the country, Sacramento being primary amongst them, who are talking about spending more still. Right. Who are talking about, well, the way that we do this is by putting even more stimulus into the economy, as if they haven't learned the lesson from what we're seeing now with gas prices and prices for milk and everything else. Uh, it, it's tremendously irresponsible, but unfortunately, that is where the conversation is. And instead of actually helping things, they have the potential to actually make things worse.
4: You know, I'm familiar with quotations about politics uh, going way, way back in the history of the Republican. There has always been cynicism in, in politics, uh, probably starting with like the second presidential election. And there's always been pandering. But it, there seems to me now a, an almost complete divorce between What you will promise people to get to the to the polls and what you're willing to actually do, knowing it will harm the country, because uh, I guess my question is, do the politicians who are pushing, continuing to spend money wildly in an inflationary time, do they not understand what they're doing or are they doing it cynically?
5: Um, you know, I think it's the combination of a couple different factors. Number one is I think there are some people who have argued over the last couple of years um, that there's been an alternate strain to, to use the language of our time. There's, there's an alternate strain of thinking about monetary policy, which is that actually it doesn't matter how much you borrow. It doesn't matter essentially how large your debt load is. It, 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 it just it doesn't matter. Right. At the end of the day, because it's so cheap to borrow, Why does it matter? It's it's something called modern monetary theory, and there are some on the left, uh, particularly on the far left, who have espoused this this notion that it really doesn't matter. And so, if you buy into that and you really are a true believer, then it doesn't matter how much you spent, right? So, I, I, I will give some of these guys the benefit of the doubt and say some of them genuinely do not believe they cause the inflationary pressure we're seeing today. Some of them genuinely do not believe. They are responsible for the economic calamity that is impacting so many families across our country right now. So that's some percentage of them. Some percentage of them will just say whatever it takes to get elected. And and, and then when they get there, they'll deal with the consequences later. They'll figure out how to distract and deflect. And they don't really care about what it is they do or don't do, because at the end of the day, politics is about the most recent outrage or the most recent way you can take a topic that has absolutely nothing to do with something else and try to turn it into the animating factor to get people out to vote because they're so angry. Um, so, yes, it's the combination, I think, of idiocy and cynicism. Uh, and, 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 and and that is that is why we are where we are today. Wow. I mean, it is it is galling to me, guys, it is galling to me that you have, uh, for example, Gavin Newsom standing up there talking about, hey, let's go out and spend the entirety of this supposed hundred billion dollar surplus we have in California. Instead of investing long run in, oh, I don't know, things we might need like water storage and roads, instead of actually doing that, we're going to do some one-time political giveaways that make him and his colleagues feel better. But at the end of the day, don't do a single thing to address the price of milk, the price of gas, the price of anything else uh, in in, in our state or, or nationally. So this is the kind of politics we end up in now, where people are so focused on what can I do to advance my political interests as opposed to saying, can we put the state in the country first?
4: Well, wow, that is uh, what you just heard is one of the primary reasons the major newspapers of California, including the liberal ones, have endorsed Lon He for a California state controller, which uh, keeps an eye on the purse strings.
0: Yeah. So is the way that would work if you were controller and Gavin Newsom was governor and he was proposing doling out more money when we got this high inflation? Would you be going to the press and saying, I think this is a bad idea?
5: Well, I I think the first thing we got to do that I'd be doing is I'd be saying, how about we get some accountability for what we've already spent money on? And, and because this is the primary challenge, right? Is that if, if you don't have any sense of what the impact of your spending has been, it, I, I think it's very difficult to then go out and make the argument, Hey, let's go spend more. We don't have any idea what the first 20 billion did, but gosh, the next 20 billion could be even better. And, and the point that I'm making is I'm saying, Hey, slow down a second, guys. Why don't you figure out what the first $20 billion did and where that first $20 billion went? And then let's have a conversation about what you want to do with this. Because in, in my mind, we have a couple of different ways of doing this in California, right? We actually have a rainy day fund, which is supposed to be there to save for when times aren't as good. We have a mechanism that actually requires some of that surplus to be returned to taxpayers. It's a novel concept, right? A, a tax rebate when you have a massive surplus. Mm. So there are, there are a lot of different things that you could do with the money. And my basic point is California is the one state where we actually don't have accountability and transparency into how we spend money. And so it's very hard to have a truly rational and thoughtful debate. I know it's a crazy concept, but it's, it, you can't have that if you don't have the basic information. So what I would say, is, as if I were a controller, is, you know, Governor, you want to spend all this money. How about we take a look at the efficacy of the spending you, you've already passed?
4: Well, you just are talking crazy talk, Lon. He, you I want know. accountability for government programs? Holy cow! Who is this guy? <laughs> I, yeah.
0: I got wo- I <laughs> got one more question, and I don't want to be you know a wet blanket on a Friday and everything like that. But um, I remember hearing George Will saying one time one of the essence essence the essence of being a conservative is recognizing what is. And I just lay out for people what's coming this summer. I mean, is it reasonable to expect? Prices are going to continue to go up. Gas is going to be more expensive. Groceries are going to be even more expensive for the near future. Is that just a reality?
5: Yeah, I, I, I do think you're going to see um, prices continue to be elevated. I think the question is are, are how, what the trend is going to look like. Is it going to be as fast and as rapid as we've seen? Probably not. I think some of this does start to level out, but it's leveling out now at a pretty high, right. at a pretty high point. And and I'll tell you, the next thing on the horizon, guys, is the R word. It is recession because invariably what happens is once you reach this point where prices become so high, you're going to start to see people begin to say, do I want to spend $1,000 to fly to New York mm. for vacation? Do I want to buy – discretionary spending is going to go first, right? And be- because at some point people are going to say, right. hey, it cost me $200 to fill up my truck with gas. I can't afford to do this other stuff. That's why, that's why you begin to have recessionary pressure because the economy slows, economic activity slows, and, and that is the next thing on the horizon. So if you look at the economic forecast, a lot of major banks, for example, are putting out now, they are talking about this country being in recession when we get to early 2023. And the reason why they say that is because all of the signs we're seeing are beginning to flash yellow or red. And, and, and they forecast a slowdown that unfortunately, has been several years in the making.
4: Well, yikes. Uh, Lon Hee Chen, candidate for California State Controller with the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, Director of Domestic Policy Studies there. Lon it's always enlightening, perhaps not as cheery as usual today, but again, facing up to reality is, you know, what adults do, right? And with that, have a good weekend. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. You too.
0: God, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with a bunch of really smart people talking about how, uh, uh, the way experts look at things, how did we end up in a situation where the market got rattled this week when Target and Walmart said something that should have been obvious to everybody? Prices are high, so people are buying a lot less stuff, so we're going to make a lot less money than we have in the past. How is that a shock to America and the markets? The markets got rattled by the realization that people are really feeling the pinch of these high prices and are going to spend less money at Target and Walmart. Isn't that a wild that... It took their actual report to come in before the markets got so shocked. I mean, it's just obviously that was going to happen.
4: Yeah, it does kind of have the feel of the the palace elite are there in their uh, grand gowns, sipping their champagne, and it takes a very long time for them to hear that the uh, you know the the villagers are uh, really angry, and in fact, one just burnt down, and things are not going well out there. They're insulated in the palace, I think.
0: And I know we're out of time, but one of the other things that somehow everybody missed was the the so-called good news that uh, consumer spending was up. You know why it was up? Because prices were up. I bought the same amount of milk and gas, but I spent more money. That didn't mean I was optimistic. It cost more. And somehow the experts missed that, apparently.
4: It was a shock to them. And then discretionary spending, as Lon he was pointing out, disappears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, cause, cause, lovely. Because he ain't got no money. Uh, any
0: comment on that or anything? Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC.
4: Armstrong.
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: I want to move on from the doom and gloom, but Michael and I were just having a conversation about like, pizza is now in my life going to be a luxury. It's now going to be a special thing. It it has been, for me, just a, you know, should we get a pizza? Yeah, I get a pizza. Just mm,
4: Oh, it's whatever. like We're, the go-to, inexpensive, feed the family, sure. yeah. No longer. Now it's going to be a special. It's going to be
0: like it was when I was a kid. And steak the same way. I've been living with a, what do you want tonight? How about steak? Okay, we'll get steak. Nope, no more. We're going to have hamburger and hot dogs occasionally maybe we'll get a steak. Because I bought a steak the other night at the grocery store. It was $28, and it wasn't even very good. $28 used to get you a great steak at the restaurant that they cooked for you. Yeah. <laughs> and they I did know. the cleanup. Not I'm cooking it at home, and I have to clean it up. Freaking $30 for a steak. It's amazing.
2: It's
4: crazy, crazy. And I know how much you enjoy your visits to gentlemen's clubs as well. And I just saw where <laughs> L.A. Hooker's are unionizing i'm I'm sorry not hookers dancers what l a exotic dancers are unionizing, and you know what I've read their list of grievances, and I think they're right I think they ought to form a union they're getting treated abysmally as
0: pe- as women who dance naked
4: to uh sweaty businessmen
0: yeah they, probably, yeah they probably do get treated poorly no they it's get their wages
4: but. stolen and 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 it's terrible it's it's not right i'm i'm going to uh, I'm a supporter of strippers unions. More on that to come. You know who likes strippers? NBA players
0: transitioning to this. So if you want to go to game two of the Western Conference Finals tonight, and I would actually love to, Warriors-Dallas-Mavericks, uh, the, the good seats are kind of pricey.
4: Um, $30,000 will get you uh, courtside. I want to play for 30000 and I mean like an entire quarter.
0: <laughs> actually, for thirty grand, I need to be taking the last shot at the
4: buzzer. I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh, honestly, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I got friends <laughs> offering to get you coupons for pizza. Stop texting me. I'm busy. <laughs> um, uh, well, that was very funny. Um <laughs> Actually, honestly, if if a guy like me were to get out in an NBA court, the first pass I tried to catch would break both my hands and I would limp weeping back to the bench.
0: Oh, my God. I have good breaking news. This is great breaking news. How much time have I got, Michael? Okay, good. So one of the stories of the day, the last 48 hours really, is Elon Musk, world richest man who's buying Twitter, you know that whole thing. He came out and said he's no longer going to vote Democrat because the Democrat party is crazy. He's always voted Democrat. He doesn't think he's ever voted for a Republican. He said he's going to vote for Republican because of the two, they're the least crazy party. He actually tweeted later in the day, I wish there were a third party that were more moderate than both of them. Okay, So that's where he is, and that I think that actually is where he is. Anywho, he also said yesterday, now that I've declared I'm a Republican, wait for the uh, the attacks to come out, the, uh, the, the attempt to smear me by the Democrats, and then he had the popcorn emoji like, this is going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Story comes out late last night, somebody uh, claiming that he exposed his erect penis to a flight attendant on a plane years ago. We did that story a little bit earlier, got into the description of that. Elon Musk now just has tweeted... I have a challenge to this liar who claims that their friend saw me exposed. Describe just one thing, anything at all. Scars, tattoos that isn't known by the public. So he's nice. challenging the woman to come forward and describe his genitalia in any way whatsoever. I like him calling her a liar. So that's wow. a, yeah. that's that's a that's a but pretty public doubling down as he has 92 million Twitter followers.
4: Yeah, well, this big story that you dignified, sir, from the far left business insider was quoting the friend of a woman who made this allegation and allegedly settled years ago. So, yeah, the hatchets are out. He's please. not.
0: He has not denied, though, you got to point out, he has not denied the $250,000 settlement of the sexual misconduct, which doesn't mean he did it, of course, at all. But he's 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 not said that he hasn't he didn't pay her two hundred fifty dollars to sell not it. Not
4: specifically, but I think no. what he said is a denial that it any of it happened.
0: Okay, okay, maybe you're right. I don't know.
4: That's a pretty good one though. Yeah, what's my junk look like then? Huh, liar? Huh? Well, I'm off to the picket line with L.A. strippers. If you'll excuse me, have a good rest of the show. Armstrong and Getty.
1: The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.